I'm Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hop Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions, and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer, and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Hello, Brewsters, and welcome to another sesh on the Hot 4 podcast. I once heard an entrepreneur say that the difference between sales and marketing is this. Sales is taking the cash off the customer, but marketing is getting them into the shop in the first place. If you were to sit down right now and assess your marketing and sales activity, how do you think you'd fare? Are there any areas you could grow in your marketing activities Get into grips with social media algorithms, perhaps, or understanding your customer's demographic or going through your KPIs, your key performance indicators. Now, I know, I know this all sounds like management crap, buzzwords flung around the boardrooms of global companies that make millions in net profit every year. And while I'm not suggesting you strive to sell out your brewery or business and make loads of money, I do genuinely think that you're not going to make more sales without good marketing in your business and your life and your business will be very much hand to mouth as you lurch day by day and week to week looking for the scraps that fall from the bigger brewer's table. I say this because I've experienced various sales and marketing roles over the years in a variety of industries, and the principles are pretty much the same across most sectors, whether you're marketing and selling tech, houses, music, widgets, funeral services, or taxidermy. Let's just hope those last two industries don't join forces, although there could be an interesting niche there. The beer industry has a lot of competition for tap lines, shelf space, social media engagement and customers. There's only so much space for your beers on the bar, a limited amount of availability in the stock room, only so much reach you'll get organically over Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And ultimately, only so many beers a customer can afford, let alone consume. On one level, although I'm a big believer that the universe isn't some huge pie and every time someone else takes a slice, there is less dessert for you. The laws that govern that same ecosystem would also say for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Meaning that if I buy a beer from one brewery, it means that another brewery has to wait until I purchase their beer if I decide to purchase it at all. Yes, there's plenty to go around. As I say, I'm a big believer that the pie is sufficiently big enough, especially as more people discover craft beer for the first time. But how does a consumer make that purchasing decision to buy your beer over another beer or to visit your bar or bottle shop over someone else's? How do they know which beers to buy when they get there and where to get them from? How do they know whether the breweries or the bars or the businesses they're purchasing a beer from or a product or service align with their own internal values? In other words, how do we get them into the shop in the first place? If you're asking these kinds of questions, you're going to love this week's discussion that I had with Julie Rhodes from Not Your Hobby Marketing. From English pubs to craft beer bars to supplier sales and management, Julie has worn many hats in the beverage world. 
you name it, she's done it. Front of house service, finance, marketing, inventory and supply chain management, product orders, national accounts, field sales, large scale special events, social media management, point of sale material creation, distributor management, the list does go on, sales training, mentoring, CRM management data, website creation, product deliveries and logistics. Julie really is the craft beer unicorn. She sold and marketed beer and cider in various regions throughout the US, giving her diverse insights into sales and marketing for the drinks business as a whole, working with breweries and cideries from across the USA. A little while back on Burns Night, to be precise, I caught up with Julie to have a conversation about sales and marketing to help you get ahead with your own brewing and beer business. Bear in mind, when we had this conversation, which, relatively speaking, wasn't all that long ago, our respective countries were in a little bit of a different place with lockdowns and the state of things, both politically and with COVID. So some of the projections, even over the last few months, may seem slightly dated at best or totally dystopian at worst. What will happen next really is anyone's guess. But sales and marketing have been occurring in some way, shape or form for millennia. And as I said, the principles don't really change. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Anyway, before we crack open this week's discussion with Julie Rhodes from Not Your Hobby Marketing, like combing through the latest hop harvest price list with a fine tooth comb and deciding what exciting new varieties you can add to your beer arsenal for those hazy IPAs. Here's all the necessary blur. If you like the Hop Forward podcast, then follow us on all the socials at Hop Forward Beers. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify and all of the good podcasting platforms. And visit our website, hotforward.beer, to connect with us and find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business with branding, creative media, and business consultancy for breweries, bars, bottle shops, and supply chain businesses. For now, grab a beer and let's crack open today's discussion. I hope you don't think I'm rude. The reason I'm slightly late is because it's Burns Night. And um, we, I got given is this. Is it really? Oh my gosh, it's so exciting! I know. Hold it. I mean, I know it's half one at your time, but feel free if you want to partake, sort of across the globe. It, if it makes me, I, I, I will partake later tonight, but it will probably be like a wee heavy or something that uh, I pull okay. out, like to, yeah. <laughs> well, we got given this for Christmas by my friend Paddy. I, I used to work at the Sheffield Brewery Company with him, and he, uh, he he arrived on our door with this for Christmas. He, nice. He came out quite well because I gave him. A, I had two bottles of a twenty-year-old stout, um, and I I gave one to him, so um, nice. he, he came away. So Very yeah, nice. but I've 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 oh well, it's open because my wife's just had some so i've not had this yet so i hope you don't think i'm well, being cheers ru- yes i hope you don't think i'm being rude <laughs> on air but um no not at all I'll, i'm gonna start in fact that makes me think about i have a traquair house in my cellar collection that i will pull out for tonight oh, that's a good reminder go. Yeah, I'm glad I reminded you. This, you know, if we get nothing else out of this podcast recording, then <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, in, in advance, obviously, I'm I'm in the future. Um, cheers! No. Cheers! There you go. That is fantastic. Yeah, I love a good whiskey. That's just great. 
I do too. Actually, I don't liquor. I don't drink liquor very often. Um, but when I do, it's it's whiskey. Yeah, I'm, I'm the choice. same. It's um, yeah, <laughs> whiskey is the tipple of choice. I'm, other than that, I'm 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 pretty useless when it comes to spirits and stuff. I mean, it's it's all, yeah. it's all about the beer for me. <laughs> Although having said that, I've um, I've I've taken a keen interest in his cider recently. But I think oh, good. It's, it, 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 I was um, talking on the um, the something called the British Guild of Beer Writers. Um, mm-hmm. We had an award ceremony in December, and it was so funny talking to all these beer writers. You know, in like the sort of um, the, the post online Zoom awards. Um, you know, we were just having a catch up, and then um, someone brought up the t- topic of cider, and and it was like everybody's eyes lit up, and they started talking about you know ciders and cider making, and I thought. That's exactly what craft beer was like back, you know, six or seven years ago. Everyone had that excitement. It's almost as if it's become so professionalized that mm-hmm. um, where cider still has a sort of kind of rustic romance about it. That mm-hmm. um, So I, I do wonder whether we'll get a cider boom in the UK. I hope so. I enjoy cider very much. I mean, I've sold cider for a long time, so... Um... And I'm happy to see where it's going. Yeah. It's exciting. Totally. And the non-alcoholic space as well. People in the U.S. are just now catching on to that, which, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the, when, when, if it wasn't Burns Night, um, there's a non-alcoholic beer I got sent by a brewery <laughs> in London um, called Signature Brew. And mm-hmm. it's possibly the best non-alcoholic beer I've ever had. You know, it, it, it's a hazy IPA and you wouldn't tell, you know, that if, if somebody handed it to you over a bar, without any of the branding or anything or telling you what it was, you would just think it was a hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's, that's amazing that, you know, we've got to this point where it used to t- it taste really worty and sort of just sickly sweet. Whereas, it, it, you know, yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Exactly. Exactly. And then same with um, CBD and THC beverages and all that. It's just like, yeah, a lot. <laughs> So my guest today on the Hot Four podcast is Julie Rhodes from Not Your Hobby Marketing based in Broomfield, Colorado. Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. Yes, very good. Um, as you were saying, it's Burns Night, so can't complain. <laughs> I know, it's exciting. I'll, I, I, I'm in charge of my children right now, but later I will celebrate Burns Night for sure. Yeah, so (laughs) cool. Well, I mean, first of all, I'd love to find out a bit more about you and your background and how you got into the world of beer. Sure. Uh, It actually, I'll try to make this short. I am, um, you know, I'm from the South originally and from Texas, so I talk a lot. So just prepare yourself (laughs) for this. I got my first uh, like restaurant job when I was about 15 and I, I couldn't even drive myself to work. My dad had to take me um, and I never got out of it all the way through high school, through uh, college, university. You know, um, I, I bartended and, and managed different pubs. Um, you know, I say pubs. It's the American version of like an English right, okay. pub. Even like my air quote fingers that you can't see right now, you know, um, what, what, you know, the American version of a pub over here. But, um, I, to be honest with you, one of my first, uh, forays into like adventurous beer was Fuller's long time ago. That was kind of one of my gateway, um, beers. And that was right about the time that new Belgium 
uh, had started coming out. So there was Fat Tire and, you know, you had Red Hook and things like that that came out that people were, you know, losing their minds over. But um, that kind of introduced me to beer. And because I was in the pub culture all the way through college, um, you know, uh, I just got very comfortable with beer. It fascinated me. Um, and I loved being around it. So uh, I, you know, bartended, paid for, I have a BA um, in marketing. So I, I have a formal marketing degree. Um, I didn't want what I called like a real job after college. <laughs> I didn't want to work in an office or a cubicle. So I stayed in the service industry and did a lot of um, marketing contract work. And eventually I found out that there were actually, um, you know, sales and marketing folks that worked for breweries. And I, I was like, oh, well, they, I might as well do something with all this beer knowledge, right? So um, I finally landed a sales rep position, uh, actually funny enough with a European beer import company based in um, San Francisco. <laughs> and um, I was the uh, domestic uh, sales representative in Texas and a few other states for um, Spaten and Franz's counter from, you know, Munich. And I had a few other German breweries and um, some Austrian stuff and things like that. And I kind of stayed in the import world for a long time, but I, I had a sales career on the brewery side um, for almost 11 years. Um, I got to represent some really amazing breweries. Honestly, I feel very lucky mm. in the, even though I was on the corporate side, um, getting to work with, uh, Samuel Smith, um, you know, uh, Orval, Westmall, uh, Lindemans, you know, uh, Ondex, names like that, uh, you know. Um, so it was pretty incredible. I spent some time in Europe as well. Um, and a few years ago, I got kind of tired of my corporate job. Um, to be frank, I don't like to be um, not transparent with people. I had a boss that I just didn't get along with. Yep. And it, and it was kind of a, a conscious, you know, like, let's just go our separate ways. Like, it's fine. Let's just call it what it is. And I thought, you know, I've been sitting on this business idea for a while. I might as well. This is the time to do it, right? The universe is, is telling me. Um, over those years, I had taught and mentored so many uh, brewery sales representatives, and I had taught people marketing, and I had worked with all these wholesalers, and people kept telling me, you should teach this. You know, I didn't think about it. I did it every day. I didn't realize that I had kind of insider information or special skills that, you know, things that people would want to learn. So um, when I left my corporate position, I thought, you know what, I should teach this. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what I do now. Um, technically, I'm a uh, craft beverage business consultant. That's my formal title, I guess you could say. Um, but what I really do is... Uh, I just teach people how to sell more of their beverages Yep. <laughs> with an emphasis on beer. You know, um, I, I teach a lot of, you know, offsite sale tactics, not so much tap room or pub, you know, yep. but um, more offsite sales, like in the wholesale channel, um, how to work with your distributors, uh, partners and wholesalers and a lot of digital marketing techniques. Mm. So um, that's where I fit in. Um, I, I coach people. I have online courses. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Amazing. I mean, there's a lot of crossover between the kind of things you do and the kind of things I do. And I think actually the first time I was made aware of you was, um, so I used to be the brewery manager and head brewer of a brewery where I live. Um, and mm -hmm. then I, I moved out of that um, for various reasons. 
and um, thought about setting up a business called Hot Forward, which is what I do now, um, focusing mm-hmm. on you know br- branding and marketing and consultancy for beer businesses. And um, but whilst I was setting that up, I worked part time for a friend for his record label. Um, just I needed some cash and um, j- you know just to kind of grow my business from scratch. Basically, um, a friend of mine called Michelle me- made me aware of you and said, "Oh, have you have you seen?" Um, this business um, in the States called Not Your Hobby Marketing. And I looked I look you up and I was like, oh, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm looking to do. And, um, you know, and then obviously I think we had a few conversations and stuff. So it's been really great to get in the podcast um, and it'd be really interesting to talk about the topic of marketing today, which is what, and sales, which is really what I want to focus on. Um, but be- be- before we tackle the topic of marketing, I think it's a, it's a term that gets banded around quite a lot. And it can mean various different things to various different people. So first off, can you give us what your definition of marketing is and then talk about how marketing helps a business make sales? Right. Um, My thing that I always tell people is marketing is memorization, right? It's just, it's a creative way for people to connect with your brand in a way that makes them remember you mm. more often than competing brands. And, and when they can, you know, recall your brand and associate it with something positive or that, you know, something that makes them feel good or a positive experience or, you know, something very memorable, then you get the brand awareness, yep. you get brand loyalty and you get repeat purchases, which is what, you know, you're kind of working towards, honestly, but that's, that's my short version. I know that's not very sexy or exciting, but you know, memorization is the thing that I go no, to. No, no, <laughs> I think it's really good. You know, I, I always think of it as being like mental real estate, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. occupying someone's mental real estate, like say, like you said about um, ESB earlier with Fuller's, you know, if, if you think of an extra special bitter, you're going to think of Fuller's um partly because they've marketed it to you partly because you've had an experience of that and and you you know you you remember their branding so yeah i I think it's really spot on yeah and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because i when i talk about that i can remember where i was in the pub behind the bar i can remember the first time that i had it i I, you know just the whole experience Mm. around it the very odd shaped glass that, you know, a good Imperial pie that I wasn't familiar <laughs> with being in Texas at the time in a pub, you know, but, um, you know, learning proper things like that and the right way to pour thing. It, it's just, yeah, it sticks out in my mind for sure. And so I, I love teaching people how to do that with their own brands that makes sense also for the right consumer. Mm. You, you can't market to everybody that will just, oof, it's, you know, that's a not, not a great idea, but, um, you know, uh, and to bleed into that a little bit is the way that I teach sales is not so much, you know, pitching and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but about making connections yep. about making brand connections with people. And when you get the right product for the right person and it's, it's a great connection and, that person's life is is better for it than you found the right consumer and um, you found that experience that will implant on their memories and then you know um, 
consumer loyalty after that follows. So it's a little meta, but you know, it's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. That's how I like to, you know, teach all of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I was going to ask what you think the biggest mistakes breweries make and, and other beer, beer businesses in the supply chain, whether it's raw materials or tap rooms or anyone else that you work with, that's basically looking to grow their marketing and sales. Like what, what do you think the biggest mistakes are that they make when it comes to marketing? Um, I think they, I think they overthink it. I think they overthink it. I think they overcomplicate things and then they get in their own heads and they think, you know, a lot of breweries, um, I'm not saying this is, there are exceptions to the rule, but, um, especially for a lot of my clients that I work here, it's a lot of people that you have a lot of production experience. You're great at creating recipes, you know, a supply chain, like all that stuff. You're, you're all right. Right. But when it comes to marketing and sales, you kind of like freeze like a deer, you know, um, because you, a lot of people don't have a business background mm. and, um, especially with the rise of digital marketing over the years, it's gotten very complicated and, uh, you know, there's people with specialized degrees just in Facebook, you know, and it's like how it seems very overwhelming, um, and very, uh, kind of like a gray area because marketing is hard to measure, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you measure somebody's brand awareness? Like that's not, um, it's not like sales in the sense of like, if I buy a pint, you can see that I have purchased a pint and there is a unit of something going out the door. Um, whereas marketing, if you're influencing me about a certain brand, how can you tell in my brain that I'm like, oh yeah, I know that brand. You can't. There's no way, you know, you have to um, put some actions associated with it to figure that stuff out. And for a lot of people, it's very daunting. So I think um, the biggest mistake would probably be just overthinking the whole process and not learning some of the basic like building blocks mm. and then taking on the more, um, you know, the wide world of digital marketing, but just applying those simple concepts yeah. It, so you don't get too overwhelmed too quickly at yeah. the beginning. So yeah. touching on that then, what are some of the things that uh, breweries in particular can put in place? And I'd be interested to find out actually, do you, do you think a brewery can be bad at marketing but make loads of sales? Or do you think they're so inter interlinked that that's just not a thing? Um, I think you can't be horrible at marketing. I mean, imagine, you know, even if you're not great at say social media or if your website is not so fantastic, but say you're making fantastic beer and you've got a killer sales rep, you know, that is, you know, putting the word out there about your products. Um, I think you can float it <laughs> for a while. Mm. Um, but the, the goal of, you know, this honestly digs into the ethos of the name of my company, Ultimately, you have a business. You're going to want to expand. You're going to want to increase sales over time, right? That's the point. You want to make more revenue. Um, not to de-romanticize beer and brewing and recipe creation or any of that, but, um, you know, I I tell people, like, if if you have customers, you have a business. This is not a home brewing hobby This is anymore. This is when you've filed a license, you've made a commitment that I am going to sell products. And in order to sell products, you have to talk to people about it. And when your marketing is bad, that's the equivalent of keeping your mouth shut. Mm. 
about your products. So I think um, you're going to have to, even if, if you have crappy marketing at first, eventually you're going to have to get better. It's just going to have to come with the territory because if you want to keep growing and increasing revenue and, and so on and so forth, I think that those kind of go hand in hand together. Yeah. I'm always amazed at breweries that just sort of shun marketing as an unnecessary expense. Basically, oh, you know, I can't afford to do that or forward slash I don't want to afford to do that. <laughs> um you know mm-hmm. to market my products because it's you know it's just another it's just another thing i've got to pay for but actually the breweries that are really killing it at least over here and i, I would imagine this is a it's a universal thing <laughs> so i would imagine it where you are <laughs> or anywhere else in the world is they've got mm-hmm. really good marketing and i if i mm-hmm. think of someone um like brew dog for example you know, oh. um, well, love them or like hate. the ultimate case study. Well, they are, aren't they? Love them, love, love, love them or hate them. Um, we used to have this guy who used to come into the brewery. Um, he was an old chap, um, you know, long retired, but he used to work for Guinness. He'd run a, a brewery and a bottling plant in the States. He'd done all sorts. You know, it was it was like um, it was like Yoda wise, you know. And I remember him just whenever he'd, he'd he might mention Brewdog, like he'd be like, "Oh, they're just a bunch of marketeers. It's all marketing. They're just marketeers," you know. And mm-hmm. and yeah, they're they're exceptional marketing. Um, so they I, are. I I, I do think that um, breweries should spend more marketing. But for for breweries out there, may, maybe for the ones you encounter in the states. Do you come across mm-hmm. people with that attitude? And if so, how do you kind of get them over that and help them to see the, the value in, in paying for either advertising or paying someone to help them market mm-hmm. their brewery and their products? Yeah, it's, um, I kind of use the analogy that I just said a second ago. It's it not, um, well, for one thing, I always tell people marketing is an investment Um it's not an expense. So stop thinking about it. First of all, as an expense, it is necessary. It's, um, I, the comparison that I like to use is that, um, you have equipment in your brew house, right? You, You have pedals, you have bright tanks, you have, you know, whatever it is, right. Um, those are your tools for creating your your craft, right? And it would be very hard to do that without the right tools. Well, marketing is a tool of business. So if you would like to run a business, then you need to invest in the right tools to make that happen. And it, for anybody that, you know, works on cars or builds things or does anything, you know, the focus is always on having the right tool for the right job. Yep. Um, otherwise you're just going to waste time and money and effort. What is that old saying? I think like something about an ax. If you give me an hour or something to chop up a bunch of wood, I'm going to spend 45 minutes sharpening my ax. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's, um, uh, and I totally blanked on who said that at some point, but the point I'm making is that, um, marketing is the right tool to sell more beer. Mm. So you might as well just buck up, make the investment, know that it will come back to you, you know, over time. Um, and you know, I, the, the other reason I, I got into teaching honestly was because a lot of these principles, um, if you just have 
somebody to give you a little bit of instruction or to show you the right way, it's not quite as costly as would as what you would think it would be. And um, the majority of the, uh, whether it's a brewery or a cider, I, I work with different beverages as well, but they're all kind of in the um, independent, small, up and coming, you know, I the the biggest organizations that I work with are just medium sized. They aren't even regional sized yeah. breweries in the US. Um, but it's very scrappy. That's the environment that I'm in. And it, it's it's possible to put together an excellent, you know, sales plan or marketing plan or distribution plan if you just have some basic tools to work with and somebody that will take the time to talk to you about it. And you can save a lot of time and money and effort um, just digging into it a little bit more. Um, but, you know, on, on the flip side of that, if, you know, if you're great with your finances and you can afford to outsource it, so be it. That's fantastic. As long as you have somebody focusing on that and, and it's getting done. Yeah. So it, it should be part of, you know, like your overhead and, and budget, uh, projections every year, year over year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, um, you know, I, I, cause I see a similar thing over here. Um, it, it only takes a little bit of effort and, and, and know-how basically to, to, to push you in the right direction. And I do think there gets to a point in the life size of any business where you need to employ somebody or at least subcontract out that work to somebody else who can solely focus on doing that because you know um as we'll come on to talk about social media in a minute like that in and of itself social media management in and of itself is just like huge <laughs> you know it's massive it <laughs> um and you it's just endless completely endless so um you know but i'm always amazed if I, you know I'll, I'll talk to a brewer and i'll say something like you know they'll say typically i hear things like oh, i've got time to be on instagram all day it's like oh, i'm not asking you on instagram all day you know take a few pictures and make them interesting not just like here's another picture of my beer or here's a picture of a cask whatever you know and and think of a little story around it and then and and here's hoot suite you know a program where mm -hmm. you can basically schedule your posting so you, you just spend 15 or 20 minutes with your five pictures, one every day at a particular time, schedule for the week, sorted, you know, and that's like, the, the, that's the lowest common denominator. And and the, this kind of like the light bulb moment that goes on for a lot of people. It's like, oh, I didn't know that existed, that website or that <laughs> app, you know, and I, I guess it's, it comes down to the tool thing because as a brewer, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever read Michael Gerber's The E-Myth, before no, that's one of my favorite books. well there you go you, <laughs> you, you, you probably know the kind of thing i'm about to come out with but you know like the, stuff like marketing and sales and stuff that they're like the tools of an entrepreneur whereas i think a lot of brewers and, and even ones that own businesses he would argue in that book are te people technicians basically as uh, overcome by an entrepreneurial seizure as he puts it very uh, mildly um but the, the, the point is you know you talk to them about filtration or carbonation or or yeast counts or whatever it is you know and and there'll, there'll be several tools for it they all do different things this one does the same as that one but twice as fast and so on and mm -hmm. it, i guess it's only it, it, you know and it can be quite daunting for somebody who's, who's technically minded in that area but they own and run their business to then be thinking well i've got to do that and i've got to become an expert in that and you become a jack of all trades and um and a master of none eg exactly <laughs> yes yes, yes so, that's um i mean what would you do systems. in that what what would you yeah okay is that the answer what you do in that circumstance yeah. to put systems in place 
as Michael, as my, on you. I'm as, sorry. No, it's all right. Is my is Michael Gerber using the book? Systemization. Yes, he does. That's that's the uh, first thing that I tell people all the time is like, okay, you've got. Um, I don't know if they use the term over there, like SOPs. You know, for the brewery, you've got mm. like standard operating procedures, and you you wouldn't let you know some average person. You wouldn't pluck them off the street and let them run like a full brew on your brew house without some kind of like instruction or system or something, right? It's, it's crazy, right? So um, think about it that way. You have SOPs for, for your brew house. You, you should have SOPs for your business, you know, and, and a big SOP, you know, and then drill down into there. So you should have systems for marketing. You should have systems for sales. You should have procedures for uh, distribution and things like that. So you get into that Gerber-esque of working uh, for your business instead of on your business yep. all the time, you know, that you're... Doing um, it, doing it, doing it, but never getting it done. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly. So I I tell people all the time, like, um, I, you know, I have some like proprietary materials that I use with people that I just, I, that I built up over time just from my experience, you know, firsthand in the market, maybe it's like a spreadsheet that's helpful or a, a matrix or some kind of template. I use a lot of templates with people because I don't want them to have to reinvent the wheel here, but if, you know, I have like a system or a tool that can help them, um, that's what I share the most with, with my clients, like, Hey, let's get you a marketing plan. And that's not just to get funding, just don't, you know, it's not just something to put on paper and then you stuff in the back of the filing cabinet and you never look at it again. Like it needs to be actionable and it needs to have mm. purpose. Um, but that's a system, you know, that's a system that you can have to, to kind of, um, direct your marketing activities, your, you know, you do sales plans, like what's our annual sales plan. Um, I, but it, it comes back to the overthinking it. I think it's like, oh, I have to do all the things. I got to do the website and the social media. And I, you know, do I start a blog and like, how many pictures do I need? And all, you know, all these things, it's yeah. like, whoa, put the brakes on. Like, let's just, you know, you don't have to be on every social media channel. You don't necessarily have to do a blog, but here's the reasons why you might want to. Um, I'm a big fan of, website optimization i know you dabble in website work as well and i um it it does a lot for uh that like consumer impressions without you having to work it's like having a good investment portfolio it's like making money in your sleep you know it's, mm. it's constantly on and when you have a good one it's like doing all the work for you you know um so taking a little bit of time to invest and learn how to do that and have consistent branding and a consistent message. Um, can you tell that I'm also a big uh, Donald Miller fan with the yeah, consistent yeah. marketing? <laughs> yeah. Consistent message. I'm a, I'm, I'm a um, big fan of his concepts of when you confuse, you lose, you know, you just, you yeah. lose the customer, uh, like even from the very beginning. And um, his concepts that he has with business made simple and building a story brand and things like that are really powerful. Um, and some people don't think that that translates into the beverage space, but it really does. You just don't realize it. You kind of have to break it apart and and take the different concepts from it. Yeah. I mean, so. it's very easy to look at, um, we'll take social media because I'd like to bring that up next, but it's mm -hmm. easy to look at um, 
another breweries or another business's social media posts, you know, and um, some people really go to town with making stuff that's really like eye-catching, which is the idea because obviously, you know, people, you, you've got not even a second worth of swiping scroll time to catch someone's attention, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and they can feel overwhelmed that, well, my social media posts don't do that, so I'm not going to post anything. But it's like, well, just start with where you're at. Start with the one, you know, take mm-hmm. a picture and write something interesting or literally get your phone and do a Facebook Live and talk into it. And I know, again, it's easy for me. I've, I've got a podcast. I'm quite talkative and not camera shy and a bit of a performer. So it's fine for me. And I understand some people just kind of like get that lens away from me, you know, before I <laughs> shove, shove it up where the sun doesn't shine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's I think it's it, it's really important to start where you're at. Um you know, particularly with, with, I guess, with any form of marketing. But, um, I mean, talk to me about social media marketing. Um, I mean, pre-COVID, because we'll come on to COVID, you can't escape it these days. It's everywhere. <laughs> that was such a bad joke. Yes. That wasn't meant to be a joke. <laughs> that sounded like a joke. It wasn't meant to be. I know. No, I know what but you mean. Yes. There you go. Hopefully people will listen to this. They'll be listening in two or three years' time when it's all in the past, and they'll be like, ha, 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 ha. That was a funny. But at I the know. time, people were like, I can't believe you just said that. Um, but, like, um how did social media marketing pre pre COVID like change the way we thought about marketing beer and beverage products before we then look at how people view that now sort of in the midst of COVID? um, I think social media pre COVID was just something that I think people thought like beverage brands were like, Oh, I have to do this. Hmm. I had, you know, I have to do this. This is something that, um, you know, that I'm required to do to meet my target audience, which usually, I mean, I'm making some generalizations here. Please don't quote me on this or nobody hang me for this, but um, it's uh, it's kind of a generalization that the people that are on social media are more of the craft beer crowd or cider. When I say craft beer, I mean like craft beverages in general. and they trend towards being on social media more. So if you're an independent small business owner, what's the best way to do that, right? You you go where your audience is mm. to market to them. And it just so happened, honestly, that things like Facebook, Instagram, you know, uh, Pinterest, whatever else, you know, and the evolution of this, like, you know, whoever is using newer stuff like TikTok and Snapchat and things like that, Clubhouse, um, you know, it has become a very, very uh, disruptive, untraditional way to market to people. But the cool part is, is that it's very low cost. If you're willing to, you know, invest a little bit of time to learn about the platform. And, um, you know, even if you are paying for advertising or something like that, I mean, relatively speaking, compared to the more quote unquote, traditional styles of marketing, which is like print ad, uh, television, radio, things like that, that are are just, we're so unreachable for small business owners. I think the coolest part about social media, now I have some criticisms of my own personal viewpoints of social media. Um, I say that even though we met on Facebook. Yeah, I'm looking forward (laughs) to hearing what those are. No, no, no. That's more of a personal stance of, you know, sometimes I'm a little with the privacy thing and like, you know, unsubstantiated news and things like that. It makes me very nervous. But on the on the business side, it's one of the best places where you can reach massive numbers of people 
um, to talk to them about your products and services. And it, it is a great outlet for uh, small business and independent brands to meet a huge number of people and to introduce their brands in a way with just um, amazing words and um, descriptions and beautiful pictures and videos. And it's a way for just to get that out there to as many people as possible, which honestly is the like the ethos of brand awareness. Mm. Honestly, when you talk about I need to build brand awareness or I need more brand awareness for, you know, for my for my brewery, um, that is what that is. It's that, you know, um, mind share. It's that memorization impression. So in the basic sense of social media, the more that you can imprint on people's minds on a daily basis, that's really just what it is. And then it's like, oh, okay, this is a familiar image. This is a familiar logo. This is a familiar conversation that I'm having with this person, even though it's taking place through, you know, a smartphone or a computer or whatever. But um, it's a way for people to get to know you without actually um, meeting them in person, which is a good segue for talking about social media and that's global health crisis yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a pandemic. And now it has gone to uh, a level that is just, I think, unfathomable for most of us that um, I, I've been in this industry for uh, so many years, um, going on 13 years now. And um, it was funny, my first uh, two or three years in the business, um, we didn't talk about social media. It was, you know, um, running the right magazine ads and, you know, uh, handing out sales material to people and promotions were like the way you lived and died by promotions, right? Mm. Like in a store or in a, uh, a bar or restaurant or whatever. Um, and then, you know, creeping into like year four, year five, people said, oh, Julie, you're the only one with a marketing degree. Can you handle our social media? And then before I knew it, I was, you know, forehead deep in, you know, Facebook pages and Instagram pages. And then, you know, I, it was, I got, I got kind of thrown into it. Now people do that. That's all that they do all the time. And I think um, content creation is uh, very intricate and, um, you know, if you do outsource it, please pay your person well because it. Uh, <laughs> Amen. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no replacement for good content creation. There's a difference between somebody that's just going to schedule your social media posts and somebody that's actually going to create content. Yeah, I could you not know, agree huge more. Huge difference. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I I think you can you can put out endless reams of content but not really say anything a little bit like when politicians speak a lot of the time at least here in the uk yeah, yeah. um you know <laughs> they they say a, they say a lot of words but they haven't really said anything um and you can mm -hmm. do that on social media but actually you know if something's really good content and engaging and creative and stuff you know you don't need to be bashing stuff out every single day um mm -hmm. because actually people can get overloaded with it and um if you've got really good content um it well, you need it needs yes. to be really good and really engaging for people to take notice and that's when you start to Definitely. um you know build your brand and all the rest of it yeah there's um a big 
section that I always cover with every single client and even some of the, you know, cause I, some, I speak at a lot of uh, conferences and trade shows and things like that. And the biggest thing I uh, talk about with marketing is the difference between brand noise and brand value, Ooh, yeah. like giving, yep. you know, and here I go with the books again, like just go read, you know, jab, 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 right hook and crushing it by Gary Vaynerchuk. And you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, he swears a lot, doesn't has, he? <laughs> oh, gosh, he swears a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my poor he is. I couldn't listen to his podcast after a bit. I'm just like, every, every effing word is an F in yeah, this. So, wow, I, I do. I know, <laughs> but I love his books. I do. I love his book. And uh, the other one is uh, Made to Stick by by Chip Chip and Dan Heath. And I, I love I love that book. Um, plus, it has duct tape on the front, which I find hilarious when it comes to marketing references. But um and it's about the, the the difference between, uh, you know, I'm going to get on, say, Instagram every day and I'm just going to throw up a picture of one of our beers and say, hey, this is our beer and here it is, da 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 you know, and I'm going to rattle off things versus saying, um, you know, here's this beer. This is the origin story. This is why we made it. If you like other stuff that tastes like XYZ, you will probably like this. Oh, by the way, did you know that you can also cook with this? Like things like that, that mm. enrich people's lives in more than just here's the ABV, here's the malt variety, here's the hop variety, you know, this is how we made it. And then end of story. And uh, the, the noise, I mean, that really is just brand noise. Yes. Is it some factual information? Sure. That's fine. But those are attributes and those aren't benefits. People don't really buy products. They buy the benefits or the results. Yeah. What's it going to do for your life? Product, right? Yeah. Like what? And I know that sounds crazy. And people look at me sideways when I talk about beer like that. But think about it. If I'm a thirsty consumer, right? And and I have a um, favor towards like dark chocolate and, and well-roasted coffee and, you know, things like that and I'm looking for a beer to drink, my life is going to be elevated by like a good porter or a stout of some kind, you know, something along those lines. If I, if someone matches me up with a hazy IPA, I'm going to, I'm going to hate life. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to actually terrible. hate life. <laughs> That's not like, it's not going to enhance my life or help me. You know, if I'm thirsty, that's a problem. You're selling me something. You People sell things to solve problems for people. If I'm mm. thirsty and I'm looking for a beer and these are my personal preferences and you take the time to figure that out, then you are making my life better. You are giving me a benefit and you are selling me a result and you're not just selling me a product. Yeah. Um, Hopefully that makes sense. No, I know that it's makes, weird, no, no, but, that makes yeah. total sense. I mean, I'm, 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 I totally agree with that. And it's, I think it's interesting um, that you mentioned cooking because I think the problem that a lot of brewers and small brewery owners fall into is that they're beer nerds. And, you know, I'm a self-confessed beer nerd. I love beer and all the rest of it. And it's, but it's very easy to be in that echo chamber. And like I say, reeling off, oh, this has got citrus, Simcoe and Mosaic in it. Although having said that, every hazy IPA and double IPA in the UK at the moment just seems to have those three hops in it and not, and not much else. Um, but, you know, like most beer drinkers don't even know what that is. They don't even care mm -hmm. what that is, but they might like cooking. You know, they might be mm -hmm. really into like, you know, 
being an aspiring chef or something, you know, and or like watching the Great British Bake Off or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, and oh gosh, I can't stop watching that show. I'm sorry. Oh, it's <laughs> great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> um, but you know, it's and it's and so like even that is is it's it's a slight jolt in the social media feed in the marketing feed because it's not just oh look, there's another brewer talking about caramel and chocolate and so on you know chocolate malt you know it's it's mm-hmm. like this 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 product actually does something for a, mm-hmm. a segment of society and wants to do something with that product other than just drink it like right. put it in food and therefore you might increase your sales as a result of it um and yes. it's and it's and very it, much so and it's and it's those shake-ups isn't it um but what, i mean while we're talking about shake-ups I, I did want to talk about um how the pandemics um change things so i remember when you know we we all we, we all went into the sort of first lockdown um and all of a sudden everyone was thrust online and you know i, I know breweries out there that didn't post to social media much they didn't really have a website anything like that because it was all like you know they were, they were smashing it in bars and stuff and people talked about their beer and they went to find their beer and so on. And, and why bother spending time on social media, marketing your business, because there are people coming, they get by and make a living. All of a sudden, bars are closed. They don't have a website mm-hmm. and so on. And it changed the way that breweries and businesses marketed their, their wares. Now, given that we're nearly a year into the pandemic, from a Western point of view, obviously, I know in, in China and mm-hmm. stuff, it's a bit longer than it is a year at the time of recording this. Um but we're nearly a year into this pandemic. How has marketing changed over that last year? Now, obviously, I know the answer in some sense can be social media. Um, but like specifically, how have you seen it change other than just people are on social media more? Like what tactics mm-hmm. have you seen em- uh, employed more and so on? It's um, uh, one thing I've seen is uh, the I think the quality overall of beverage social media has has gotten better. I think people, it forced them to take a look at marketing and say, oh, I need to do this because I can't do this in person, mm. right? So how can I translate my brand experience to a digital platform? And for most people, their first solution was social media content. Again, because low cost, low cost, you know, low barrier to entry, somewhat easy to do, you know, um, it hard to hard to optimize, but somewhat easy to do, right? And um, you know, I've talked to so many people about this. It, it's you had to transition to um, a full-on sensory experience, but just with words and pictures. Mm. Really quickly, you had to figure out how can I let someone know uh, what this looks like, what it smells like, what it tastes like. How, how you're going to feel when you, you know what I mean? Like the the people that got really good at social media on lockdown were the ones that said like, okay, what's a conversation that I might have with somebody over the bar top, right? And let's just have that on Zoom or on Facebook Live or on mm. Instagram. Like, you know, let, let's do that in different spaces. And I think the people that have really succeeded in doing that have understood their customer better than anybody else. Like not, again, not just doing it to do it, but actually interacting with people and and getting to know like, what do they wanna hear? What do they wanna learn about? It might be cooking. Oh my gosh, I, got, I saw so many successful uh, online events with beer and food 
uh, it was a glorious thing, you know, and, and then you can interact with people and people can tell their own stories. Um, and it really was a way to humanize and personalize your brand. Whereas before you might've been doing that, but you were doing it in the tap room and you can't do that anymore. So um, that's one cool thing that I've seen uh, kind of rise out of this is just the overall quality I think has gone up um, of social media marketing. Um, the other thing that I've seen is that the beers are getting into the hands of more people because of e-commerce mm. and uh, like digital events, like the whole idea of like a digital beer festival, which, you know, a year ago would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. like, that's absurd. <laughs> you know, how are you? Like the whole festival environment, you know, like you're there, you have beer, you you know, there's like live music and things going on. But um, I think people got really good at that um, over the past year. Um, I never thought I would attend a digital beer festival. I went to like four or five you know, um, just in the past, uh, like six months, honestly. And it was great. I had beers that were shipped to my house. I got merch from the event. You know, I had like a live stream. I could pick and choose like what I wanted to watch and the people that I wanted to interact with. And it's this, um, really cool global connection that people could have that like, maybe you wouldn't have, you know, the, the example that I always think of is, um, Fresh Fest. Yep. Um, and like Marcus and the black is beautiful movement and everything like, you know, this brewery from San Antonio, do you really think that we would have been able to get that much awareness out there without marketing? Right. Like look at the marketing storm that that created, like in, in, I, it's such a cool, uh, success story. And I'm, um, I greatly admire him, but, and, and Dave Bracey and, and the, the guys at um, Fresh Fest was just amazing and things like that that are evolving. And I think it's a cool option for people that, you know, and I I apply this to myself as well. I have two little kids. Sometimes I can't get out of the house, but you know what? If there's a, <laughs> a digital beer festival or a digital cooking event that I can go to and like I can get the beer on my own or I can have it shipped to me, that gives me so many more options um, for purchasing than just saying, oh, you know what? I'm not going to attend because I can't go in person mm. or I'm not going to go because I can't get out to the bar tonight, you know, things like that. So I think accessibility, you know, creativity, accessibility, um, a, a wider reach of brand awareness. I think these are all um, silver linings yep. that come out of this situation. But yeah. I, I think um, this goes a little bit off topic as far as coronavirus is concerned. Um, but I, I think what you touched upon there with, who you're marketing to is is pretty vital for a lot of brewers to take into consideration because again it comes back to the whole echo chamber thing and wanting to sell beer to people like you and all the rest of it but like i'm 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 a parent as well and i i know that sometimes not so much now because obviously there aren't like like actual beer festivals but you know there'd be times <laughs> where i'd be going through my social media feed and seeing everyone at the latest cool festival and feeling really left out because actually you know like if i'm away from my family that's kind of like you know that's a, a good chunk of time you know and then if, mm -hmm. if i'm hung over the next day um that's, that's another good chunk of time <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what i mean <laughs> uh, but but a, a lot of the people that i would see at those festivals don't have kids so you know and, and until you've got kids you don't really understand what it's like 
to have because mm-hmm. how can you you know it's it, it really is like a transformative experience um that kind of tips your world upside down and so um to be able to have a kind of like a level playing field and be able to market your products at this subset of people in this way and maybe market that product to those people in that way if, if you've got the kind of product that kind of is a bit more expansive like a i don't know like a a lager or some i'm just using beer style for example mm-hmm. um sure. you know rather than kind of like um here mums and dads have the imperial stout <laughs> while you're you know <laughs> just to end your day on a monday night um <laughs> but i think it's really important to kind of get into the head of of who you're marketing to and um i think those digital events are you know particularly for for parents that don't get out particularly if the your children are really small are, are this huge potential there i um i was part of an event uh well as an attendee um it was a um boon do you know boon in belgian um mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yes. um, they, they, um a friend of mine called linda who runs brewery market which is like a, an independent bottle shop in twickenham mm-hmm. um her and a guy i think his name's paul from ale hunters they put on this uh, meet the brewer with um not frank boone his, his son Carl um mm-hmm. and so you know a, a, now I've never been a, a lambic fan I'd had a few lambics before and it, I always thought they taste like goat and barnyard sort of in, intermingled <laughs> with a bit of horse not not flavors I'd normally associate as, as nice flavors but um you know L- Linda assured me no you'll like these so I got this box you know it arrived you know a little tasting pack and these beers and stuff and then I, I tuned into this event you know, meet the brewer and got to ask questions, tasting these four beers. And I was just like, I've seen the light. I'm, convert- I'm converted, you know, craft beer devotees, Alambics. Like I was just, they were, it was amazing. And it was, a, it was a really great experience. And it was just before Christmas as well, at a time when mm-hmm. I couldn't get out to anything. You know, it's like the event came to me and I actually felt part of something in that moment. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think if, if you can do those events well, and market them well. Yes. Then you've got you you're opening a whole other avenue for your business by doing that, rather than just like oh we, yes, we definitely ma- we make and sell yeah. beer. I know, and that's um, honestly, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I hear from a lot of people, and I'm not, and this is just in the states. Although I have some Canadian clients as well, so I you know get a little bit of a wider perspective, but people say, oh, I'm not gonna waste my time with virtual events because they just don't do very well. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? Are you are you interacting with people? Like, are you inviting people in? Are you keeping people engaged? Or are you just talking at people? You know, there's a difference between, you know, I think sometimes uh, people do get stuck in an echo chamber yep. of, this is my product. I'm going to talk about me and my brewery and my beers and all that kind of stuff, but it's not about you. Yep. It's not about you at all. It's a, it's about the consumer. So you have to relate it to them. You have to involve them. And, and the more that you can do that, um, education is one of the greatest gateways, um, to do that because, when you can teach something and a light bulb goes off. And like you said, it's like, oh, now, yeah, Lambics, I'm on board. I'm good. (laughs) You know, it's like a light bulb moment that goes off. And when you, you know, um, when you have those moments, again, back to the success of marketing is that imprint on your brain. And you talking about that experience, that's imprinted on your brain. You're always going to remember that. Mm. And then 
you have that positive association with the brand. And that's really the power of marketing, honestly, um, because that that's what you're trying to um, build up towards. And I saw a lot of great examples of that during the pandemic and a lot of really bad examples mm. of that. Um, I say during the pandemic, it is not over by <laughs> yeah. any means. We're still in it, but you know, on the, on the onset um, of, of all of this, but it has been, um, I, and I think we're, I think it's still an evolution and process, you know? Um, and I think the more people can realize in this industry that it isn't about you, that it's about your customers and your end consumers, the better your marketing is going to get. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, I don't want to dip too much into um, social justice or political or what, you know, whatever you want to, but that was also a big topic this past year. And um, I think the more that you can be aware of how inclusive your brand is, you know, in welcoming people, especially welcoming people in your own community, the better your marketing is going to get as well. Mm. So just um, taking into account and like, using that example with, um, parenting, you know, there's been times where I've not felt welcome in certain, you know, in certain pubs or, or tap rooms or at events and things like that. And, you know, that's, that's a form of a non-inclusive environment, or maybe it's somebody with a disability or somebody that's a little bit older, like, don't, don't count everybody out because of demographics and just making sure that you're more aware of, you know, does does my marketing reflect my consumer base and am i making sure to include everybody so that there's a chance for everybody to enjoy my brand yeah and to talk about it as much as possible so you know looking to your crystal ball then like how how do you think selling beers will change when we move out of what i could only describe as a state of emergency with the pandemic and, and life settles down into what people are sort of describing as the the new normal like when bars start to open up more i mean i, I know it's different in the states are bars open in the states or is always is, uh, is summer and i have these have the we're sort of uh different states are doing different things it's all divided here right, okay. by you know every state um so some of the more rural regions that don't have as high of cases are you know almost totally open but then some of the more urban regions are like LA is still not open right. at all. So it varies. Right. Okay. So when everything kind of gets back on an even keel at some point, which we presume will happen um, and our future won't be completely dystopian until climate change really <laughs> kicks in. Um, <laughs> there's a little sneak preview of the second episode of <laughs> the 2020s or whatever. Um, but like, you know, how do you think selling beer will change? Like, what do you think that will keep out of what we're doing at the moment? What do you think will kind of fall by the wayside quickly? And, and maybe like, how do you think, what sort of new norms do you sort of perceive in terms of beer sales and marketing will, will happen? Um, I think a lot of, I I wish that I got paid for my crystal ball skills. Jeez Louise. I mean, but <laughs> if, I, if I had to take a shot at it, I would say um, 
for one thing, I think digital is still going to be a huge part mm. of, of everybody's world. Um, that is not going away anytime soon. I'm also a firm believer in learning from other industries besides just beer. So I look at uh, like e-commerce for spirits and wine and, and things like that. And even uh, NA beverages and stuff like that. And it is billions of dollars in just e-commerce. Um, I think that's where we're headed. If I had to take a stab at it. Um, I don't think the shift to e-commerce is going to go away anytime soon. Um, I think, honestly, at, look at the example that we gave with, I can't go out. I have my kids. Maybe my husband's traveling for work. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm stuck at home, but I still want to try this beer because I really like it. You know, I can have it delivered. Awesome. Great. Problem solved. Right. It, it's situations like that that I don't think that's going to go any uh, away anytime soon. I think people have give, been given um, too many options at this point, and rightly so. I don't want to say that as a bad thing. Um, all the options for creating that experience at home, you know, and um, and then you look at also the environmental impact of that less drunk driving accidents you know um better for the environment there's less cars out there you know that it, there's a lot of impact to that so i foresee e-commerce and and digital marketing still charging ahead way 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 ahead of us so um if you have invested in that kudos continue to do so i i strongly recommend that i think um getting into other channels you know how people started packaging all of a sudden and it was a rush to like grocery and any place that was deemed like an essential business that was still open i think that's going to continue i i think consumers have gotten used to this variety of products now in places where they weren't used to it um i get made fun of by my business friends that they're like julie stop talking about the convenience channel but like <laughs> you know the little corner store right like the corner market mm. that you're able to walk to or you know here in the states like the big gas stations or you know things like that like um, I, I think uh, the convenience channel is going to be a big player, actually, for, um, and that's a different way to sell beer. That's totally different than selling into, say, like a bar or a restaurant or something like that. Um, I think that the sanitation efforts will continue also. So um, I think, you know, on, pr on premise, on trade, it, it's going to take, I hate to be Debbie Downer here with this, you know, bad, sappy news, but it's going to take a very long time for that market segment to recover. Yep. So I, I guess my prediction on that is just prepare yourself for that. If you're a business owner, you know, um, I've seen different dates projected. The one that I see the most is 2024 Wow. is when it's going to fully recover. And that's a very long time from now. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that to scare anyone or I, I'm not trying to freak anybody out, but it's just the way the market is. It's the confidence of consumers. It's how, you know, comfortable they feel with going out and returning to kind of a normal lifestyle. But I would say this trend of going to off trade will continue as well. I think that's going to continue to thrive. That's something that I practice with my clients right now as well is that, you know, it's not that we're not paying attention to on-trade, but we're very much focused on off-trade sales, bottle shops, uh, liquor stores, grocery, you know, different, I know different countries, different states, it depends on uh, where you're located, but 
Um, that is going to continue. And then, you know, please, please, please invest in digital marketing because it is the best way to reach people, um, no matter what the market conditions are. Mm. Um, people are tuned in. People are increasing their use of streaming services. They're online. They're on their smartphones. They're on the computers. You know, any type of digital presence that you can use, the better. And I think that's going to continue as yeah. well. Yeah. I was in a supermarket um, a few months ago, and I remember stood in the queue looking at the screens, you know, the Perspex screens have got everywhere now, and just having this realisation, those screens aren't going anywhere. When, quote, unquote, all this is over, quote, unquote, like, <laughs> they're not going anywhere. All that hand sanitizer is not going to magically disappear. Like, p people now are, well, an example I saw on Twitter, um, someone had posted a link to a study that was conducted in 2018 about um yeah. kids blowing candles off birthday cakes and the sort of viral particles that that spreads and um she'd written <laughs> um yeah. yeah she'd written um i am never going to eat birthday cake again and you can't convince me otherwise, you know, and there were people waiting in there being like, well, why don't we just all stop breathing and that'll sort the problem out to which to be honest, I agree, you know, I'm just like, Oh, come on. But it's like, and that'll come with problems of its own when people in the future are just our, our bodies evolve in a way that we just pick up more disease because we, we, we've, we've sanitized ourselves so much. Um, but it's, yeah, I, th I think we're in this for the long haul and, and, I mean, my my concern and worry is, um, and I, I really hope I'm wrong, but if this is like a seasonal thing like flu is, you know, like when it gets to summer and it just sort of COVID levels go right down, which is what we saw in the UK at least um, over the summer after lockdown, you know, levels were really quite low. And then come winter, it all flares up again. You know, imagine if like hospitality businesses had to close every year between November and April. And that was just an annual thing that happened, you know, like, mm -hmm. and again, I, 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 I'm probably reading too much George Orwell or, or something, but like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but it's, if that- It would be awful. Yeah, they, I, oof, yeah. I don't want to think about no. that, but it is a possibility. Mm. I mean, I I don't rule that out. I, I hate to say that, but I, I think- um, to go that, and I hate to interrupt you. I hope that I didn't. Um, no, no, no. But I think the that is why you need multiple streams of income. Like if you're a brewery, if you're a business, and you're listening to this, please just sell everything. I, I know that sounds ridiculous. Sell but a kidney. I, it, sell your dog. Sell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, think about it. Think about how you can sell not just the liquid products, but the brand yeah, as a whole. Absolutely. Is it merchandise? Is it lifestyle things that have your logo on it? You know, here in Colorado, um, a big thing this winter has been um, branded blankets, you know, for those that are enjoying outdoor drinking mm. activities and um, beer mittens, you know, like actual. Uh, right. What, like, like Bernie Mins? Um, <laughs> Like Bernie Mittens, yeah. yes, basically. But it has the brewery logo on it, you know, and 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 I have to give kudos for people that are doing, I mean, it's, it's listening to your customer base and what they need. But, uh, you know, thinking 
about things like that. And, um, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. Um, and this, I hate to run you over, but I use this example of my friends that have a, um, a brewery, uh, in Lakewood Brewing Company. It's right outside of Dallas, Texas. And, um, the owner <laughs> decided they were going to sell like, oh, like everything, you know? And so he took some barrels that had run their course of, they have a couple barrel aged beers and, um, he took his chainsaw and just chopped them up and they sold them as uh barbecue, like smoking, uh, wood chips. And I'm in Colorado. I'm not in Texas anymore, but I bought two bags of them and nice. we had a barbecue in the, <laughs> in the backyard. But the, so but awesome. I'm just saying, you know, to, just think like, uh, stop thinking outside of the box, just like build a new box and, you know, take advantage of, of what you have. Can you, you know, the buzzword of the year has been pivot. Can you pivot? Can you make a soda? Can you make a seltzer? Can you make an NA? Can you make a juice? Or, you know, a, a lot of breweries now are making food products that go on the grocery shelves, you know, things like that. And if you have the power to do that, please do it. Don't, I'm not telling you to spread yourself too thin, but it is good to have multiple streams of income. So if it is kind of a dystopian situation where we get around, you know, to fall of next year and it's like, oh, buckle down, you know, you're you're going to need a plan B. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. just waiting for the HG Wells alien invasion from Mars. <laughs> you know, that'll be the next thing, won't it? We finally got over the coronavirus pandemic. It's what the hell's that from outer space? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just let them in now at yeah. this point. Just, so, you know, let's just get it over with. Yeah. We can do the hard things. There, there you go. On that <laughs> On on that bomb, well, it's burns. I think I need another whiskey now. <laughs> After all that, Bill, on that bombshell, um, it's been amazing having you on the show, Julie. Um, how, how can people find out more about you? Find out more about not your hobby marketing and and check out your training videos and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the the best way to find me is just to head to my website, um, which is just notyourhobbymarketing.com. It's all lowercase, very easy. Um, and I'm all over social media, so please find me. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at not your hobby marketing. Um, someone took my name on Twitter, which I was very put off about. I don't know who else is uh, called not your hobby marketing, but I was very, maybe I should sell you that back. Off about that. <laughs> yeah. you know, like who has my name? Yes. Yeah, so uh, but me, I am on Twitter. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I have entered the realm of beer Twitter for as much of a rabbit hole as that is, but, um, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at, uh, not your hobby MS. You can find me there. Um, but yeah, I, please, uh, I am also, um, for people that don't know, I'm a copywriting nerd. I, I love that part of marketing so much. And, um, I have a pretty exclusive, like small email community, but that's because I do a lot of writing and I love to write to people mm. about this kind of stuff. So if you enjoy a good email and a funny story and a lot of, um, you know, science fiction references because I'm a bit of a sci-fi nerd. Um, please join my email list. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. I'll, I'll endorse it on my podcast. I'm on your emailing list. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, there you go. Bill, well, th 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 thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. This was lovely. Thank you so much. Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot Four podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes, 
and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers. Cheers.